Well, you know comedy's not good, right? Holy shit. This is breaking news. Mm-hmm. I mean, your comedy's not good, Sam. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. Oh. Wow. And now, Impolite Company presents The Lion's Den. <laughs> local uh local St. Louis comic and improver and all around good guy Pat Ryan has uh been posing a question lately uh, in, in some of his uh sets doing stand up it's it's a, I think it's a pretty important question we don't think about it enough and I think it's time we had a serious discussion about it and so that's what we're going to do today it's it's something you know I never would have thought about this at all except for the profound way in which he asked it he's really opened up my eyes to a new way of thinking and these are the these are the serious questions these are the critical ones you know what we got to be talking about we got to figure this out the question is can vampires get aids all right and uh listen I, some of you are already off board well this is my show so you can listen or not, uh, and I've been I've been thinking about this a lot. I think it's difficult because I don't know that I don't know that vampires could like I don't think they could suffer from AIDS because they don't have like or like they don't like they're they're dead like they're they're living dead like they um their organs have all shut down nothing circulates anymore yeah they've got blood in them but it's not like their hearts are Beating or anything, I and I guess that depends on which vampire lore you you want to follow. I don't, I don't. I just I don't. I I don't think vampires can get AIDS. I think that you know that's. I I, I think there'd be a lot a bit there'd be a bigger epidemic if they could like they like we like you'd hear a lot about vampires with AIDS because vampires are just out here indiscriminately. Biting down on people, you know, like I don't think if they can, I don't think they have like anything. Like, I don't think they can sense AIDS. Like I don't think they're gonna have any kind of indicator if their victim is carrying HIV or or the virus or anything like that. So I, I, so I don't know. I I don't think they can get it. Um, but someone else, you know, brought up a point. Maybe they, they can't suffer from it, but you know they can they can carry it. You know, if a vampire bites on somebody that has AIDS and it's on their fangs and they don't brush their teeth and they go on and bite somebody else, like that can be transferred. That way, I don't know who brought that point up. That was another another comic of the night, uh, whoever that was. I'm not out here trying to steal your point of view. I'm just passing it on to the listeners. Listen to this. Tell me you're the one that said that and I'll shout you out next week. Sure, um, but no, I don't think they can suffer. I don't think they can like contract it. And uh, my friend David May was that was with us this night. And he brought up this point that you know when they drink blood, they're digesting it, so the the stomach acid is just gonna break everything down. So it's not gonna be transmitted on them that way. But yeah. Like I guess if you if you're dealing with some you know dirty vampire that doesn't brush his teeth after meals, he's just walking around with other blood. But it ha- it would have to be like fresh, right? Like it couldn't just be bite somebody with AIDS. Two weeks later, bite somebody else. That person's gonna 
now have that transmitted. No, I think it would have to be like fresh, like rapid succession. That it. I thought yeah, I don't. I thought this uh, topic was gonna go longer than it did, but that's fine. That's. I want you all to think about that this week. Do vampires get AIDS? First, no. First, think to yourself: Do you believe in vampires? Because this isn't something you can be on the fence about. Okay, either vampires are real or they're not. You have to pick a side. I'm not gonna tell. Like I'm not here to criticize what your beliefs are. I'm just saying believe in something. I think vampires are out there. Uh, I don't know if they've got like all the powers, but I think vampires are out there. I don't think they can con- contract AIDS. But I think they might be able to transmit it if if it's in rapid succession. That's Pat. There you go. I just butchered your whole bit. Uh, good luck finding something else now. So I just I just went to Facebook and I just said, "Hey guys, I want things to talk about this week. Uh, post some hot takes and we'll we'll talk about them." Oh, this one oh, I'm pissed off already. Uh, Zach Bragg, you know. Stand-up comic out of uh, Tupelo, Mississippi. Good friend of mine. Uh, Scott's Tots is a top 10 best of. <clears throat> First off, make sure that you understand for some perspective. He's talking about the episode Scott's Tots of uh, The Office, parentheses, U.S. Okay? Uh, and it's... Ooh, we've been fighting about this for years. Like, for years, Zach and I have been going back and forth... And really just, I'm really upset that he would bring this negative energy to my show because Scott's Tots is a trash episode. All right. For like the, so for the 20 of you out there who never watched The Office because you're too cool for it, ooh, ooh. Let me break it down for you. So Scott's Tots is season seven. I want six or seven. I think it's season seven. And uh, Michael, years ago, Made a promise to this third grade class at this uh, this local school in the Scranton area, uh, mostly uh, black students, if I remember correctly. It's it's funny. Uh, he promises them that if they get into college, he will pay their college tuition. Okay, he just says, "Hey guys, I'm committing right now. If you have the grades, I've got the financial aid, huh?" He didn't say that. He's not that cool. But you get it. Uh, so he makes them this promise when they're in third grade, okay? And then you fast forward nine years, all right? And, and they're graduating. And they've all been accepted into college. Every single student in this third grade class is going to college because they were so motivated by this nice white man, Michael Scott, Promising to pay for their college, that they had something to believe in. You know, no one had given them hope before, and he puts this hope in front of them. But if you watch The Office at all, you know Michael Scott doesn't have sending kids to college money. All right, he's been in the same position for like twenty years. He's gotten one eight percent raise. All right, that was that was a big like that was a whole there was a whole storyline. In like season two, uh, about how little Michael makes. You know, the whole punchline is Daryl down in the warehouse makes more than him, and so he has to go and fight for a raise. Uh, yeah, so 
so he's you know these kids have all gotten into college and uh he you know he's promised to pay for it and so the school is <clears throat> reaching out to him they're wanting to set up a day where he can come to the school and see all the kids again oh my god oh my god you guys did so great you're all so amazing i'm so impressed by you you are the future you are the future here's your check here's your check Here's your check. Yours is coming. Here's your check. And that's what they're expecting. But he keeps ducking them, right? Because he doesn't have any money. Like, he's got no money. This is Also, this is after he spent a season living with Jan, who just drained him of all of his financial resources, the very frugal ones that he had to begin with. She just blew all his money on ridiculousness. That stupid candle company, okay? So... Here's, here's the thing. So he does like he's he's got to go to these kids and tell them that he doesn't have the money. Here's here's the thing. Nine years it's been going on, and he's been like interacting with these kids. Like he gets to the the school to go to the kids' class, and he's you know he know he knows all their names still. He's gone to see them like perform in their jazz concerts and their theater productions and their swim meets and basketball games and everything. Like he has committed himself. To these kids. So he's, this isn't just like some, you know, vague, evil banker made this promise and like ran off with their hedge fund or something. You know, that that happens every day. That's just part of being an American. And the sooner the kids learn a lesson like that, the better. But this is somebody that's that they've grown up looking up to and respecting and believing in. And he just made these promises to them. He, they were, he was someone they could believe in and hold dear to their hearts. And now he's just going back on this promise out of nowhere and, okay, so I guess that's also preparing you for real life. Here's my issue with Scott's Tots is that it's, you you see Michael, at my, Michael's cringeworthy throughout the entire show. His entire seven seasons on The Office are painful. He's he's just a terrible person to deal with. We all know that. I'm not, I'm not you know, spilling secrets here. I'm not JFK laid up in bed with Marilyn just telling you about Roswell. Shout out to Tommy Moslander. Another comic for just talking to us about the Kennedys for two hours last weekend. That's, wow. We'll get into that another time. Anyway, but we all know Michael Scott's trash. But this is like the grandest example of how his terrible personality negatively affects the people around him. How he just it, it takes, he's, a, he's carrying a plague and he just walks around just touching people and just transmitting this plague to everybody he comes in contact with. Everyone is worse for the wear after interacting with Michael Scott. And these are kids. And he's built you know, he's built up their dreams and set them up and now he's just crushing them. And how are they supposed to trust anybody after that? You know? The episode ends and he's just he's just scot free again. It's like, oh, look at Michael, you big goof. Oh, Michael, promising kids you're gonna pay for your college. You know you don't have any money, but like, there's no consequences to his action. He is consistently just wreaking havoc everywhere he goes. He technically touches, turns to shit, and nothing bad ever happens. The one, no one ever calls Michael out on his crap. The one time it tries to happen. Uh, season three, when he outs Oscar, you guys remember this? Michael outs Oscar Martinez as being gay, and then spends the rest of the episode trying to make everyone be okay with the fact that Oscar's gay. Nobody cared that Oscar was gay. All right, and Angela cared, but that Angela was okay, but no one else cared, and Michael just kept making a thing, and then he tries to 
kiss Oscar for reconciliation. You know, he tries to, to get his forgiveness to show unity, to show that he's the good guy. And everyone else in the office, they're the villains, the ones that didn't say anything about Oscar being gay. They're the bad guys. And he so he so he tries to kiss Oscar and Oscar tells him, I don't want to kiss you. You're not you're 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 a bad person. I don't like you. You're not attractive, you're not interesting, you're not pleasant to be around. And he tells him what's what in front of the whole office. And it's like, thank God, you know. And then Michael's so upset. He's just so, you know, his voice starts breaking. And you can see his eyes are getting all shimmery. And then Oscar's immediately like, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was rude. That was rude. You're, you know, you're, you're a good guy. You're a good guy. On some level, Michael Scott may have a good heart. But he is in no way a good guy. Michael Scott's a villain, all right. He's a tormentor. People have lived for years under his tyranny. When he left, the, the fact that he could stay in a management position like that for so long, is it's an obvious explanation to why Dunder Mifflin failed as a company. You know, Look who you're putting in charge. What do you think is going to happen? Also, shouldn't somebody at that school... Have like asked to see some kind of financial documentation throughout the years. Like, I guess so. Part of the fault in Scott's Todd's lies within the American education system, and I get it. You know, teachers and counselors are overworked. One hundred percent, they're overworked and underpaid, and you will never hear me say otherwise. But still, like someone from that school should have been like, "Hey, let's check in with this guy. Let's see how he's planning to pay." You know, it's like sophomore, junior year. When kids are, you know, going on campus visits, they're doing college tours, you'd think that, you know, they'd see how much college costs, they'd be like, wow, is this guy really going to pay for everything? And then you think they'd go home and maybe Google him one night. It's like, hey, th- hey guys, this guy sells paper in Midtown Scranton, all right? Look at his, I, this is Google image, look at this, look at his condo, that's it, that's what he's, is he, is he just being frugal because he's saving everything else for us? I don't know. But I'm worried, guys. I think someone should check this out. And then you think like a counselor or the principal or someone would have touched in. Hey, Mr. Scott, you know, we were wondering if we could get maybe some projections of, of the, the funds you have saved up for students college. Because I don't know if you recall, it's been a long time since you didn't go to college. Uh, but college has gotten really expensive. And we just want to make sure there's no, you know, we're sure that you've got it all. But we want to make sure it's all liquidated. You know, we don't want, it would be embarrassing if we got to first day and tuitions due and it was tied up in stocks and bonds we understand you know keep your money safe that's your business but you know we just want, we're just looking out for the kids would you mind if we saw a couple of financial statements from you like you think they would have at least asked that and maybe they did and maybe they did and michael told him yeah i'll i'll mail that right over oh no it got lost i'll send it again ah let's try emailing it wait was there an underscore in your email address like there would have had there would have been some big song and dance until eventually it would have come out, hey, listen, I don't have the money, okay? It's, uh Scott's Todd's, it's, it's just, I don't know, I'm, I'm getting really upset. Thank you so much to Zach Bragg for, for making me think about this again. I've, I've watched The Office 12 times. Uh, I've only seen Scott's Todd's twice because it's just, it's, it just upsets me. It puts hate into my heart. I don't like having hate in my heart, all right? So I, so I don't even think about it. I keep that negativity away. Uh, don't don't watch don't watch Scott's Tots. Don't watch it. It's bad. Skip it. It does nothing for the show. 
and it'll just make you feel terrible about life. All right, what else we got? Brendan Olson, another funny comic. Uh, my old baby boy Brendan has some really strong opinions on Amelia Bedelia. Wow, like this is irate. There's a lot of there's a lot of mean words in here. I don't even remember Amelia Bedelia. Okay, Amelia Bedelia is yeah, she's the one that like she's a little goofy like second grader or whatever, uh, and she's just always fucking things up. She's kind of like she Amelia Bedelia is is, is like uh, the brat's version of Michael Scott. You know, like she's running around wreaking havoc. But Brendan's got some very specific issues with her. Uh, uh, she's always fucking shit up and making everyone's day worse. And then she just gets off the hook because she can make a lemon meringue pie. Spoiler alert, any idiot can make a lemon meringue pie. Brendan lived with me for a month. He never made me a lemon meringue, lemon meringue pie. So I'm just saying, Brendan, you're talking a big game over there in your... Ivory Meringue Tower talking about all the lemon meringue pies. When did you ever make a lemon meringue pie? Make a lemon meringue pie. Bring it to the shop next week. Bring it to the improv shop. And we'll we'll decide if any idiot can really make lemon meringue pie. Alright? Let's see. He goes on to blame her. Here's one. She ruined a whole living room of furniture because she doesn't know how to dust. Are you kidding me right now? You don't know how to run a damp rag over your employers and tables? Employers end tables or vacuum a couch. That's a quote from Brendan Olson. Listen, Brendan, all right? She's eight. Maybe no one taught her how to dust. Like, yeah, dusting is a pretty straightforward process if you've done it before. But if you haven't and you're like three feet tall, I could see how, you know, there's a chance that you could have, you know, you could have trouble with dusting. I don't mean like, like short people. I meant because she's a child. That's what I was getting at. But, Wow. Uh, let's see. Oh, here. Okay, Brendan hates her because she can't play baseball. Who grows up in America and doesn't understand the basic rules and concepts of baseball? Hey, Brendan, I don't. I don't get baseball at all. And I don't want to. It's a dumb sport. I have no interest in it. It's boring and it's confusing. Why, why do we use K's to signify strikeouts? I'm going to admit something to you guys. Uh, I've tried to keep this... Incident uh, on the low. It was about three years ago. Uh, I, I really tried to keep this to myself. It's really, embar- it was actually no. It's not that embarrassing because I, I it's it's a situation where I saw something I didn't know what it meant, and so I asked a question so I could learn. All right, I was at I was at a baseball game in my college town. Spring break about three years ago. It's the first baseball game. I've, like I've been to like three, and that's the first one I've ever actually like, paid attention to. So we're we're, we're sitting out. And the bleachers were watching the game, and uh, I see like the, I just see these three K's, like the, like someone just got these like plastic signs, these three K's, and they just hung them over the side of the field. All right, I've never seen this before. I, uh, I I'm with like a group of people. There's like eight or nine of us in this group, uh, and and I I'm like, hey guys, what is what is that? What's up with those three K's over there? I'm like oh, I don't know. That's weird. I've never seen anything like that. And you know, I'm in. I'm not going to rag on Mississippi, but, you know, I'm in Mississippi, okay? I understand how the world works. And there's just three Ks hanging over the side of this baseball fence, of this college, you know? And, and now, it's like, what? Like, should I be concerned? So I took a picture of it, 
and I posted it, and I said, hey, guys, I just it's these three Ks out here at the baseball field. What, does anybody should I be concerned? Like, should I like report this? Can anybody tell me what's going on? And that's what I did. That's what I asked. And my the comments and in my inbox got flooded with people pissed off at me because apparently a K represents a strikeout. And so every time our team pitched a strikeout, they put a K up, <clears throat> and it's supposed to be symbolic of the strikeout. Strike starts with an S. Just put S's up there. Why would you? What? That's ridiculous. I understand, you know, if it gets to like four or five strikeouts, then it looks like just a bunch of K's. And you, yeah, okay. But this it was three strikeouts. That's a weird thing, all right? That's a, in today's day and age, to just be hanging up three K's with no explanation like that. You know, some people are there for their first baseball game. This is some people's first game. This is their first interaction with baseball. We don't get all the nuances and, you know, fine rules. So just tell it, you know, just just put strike. It's not like somebody's writing it. There's signs that you already have. Just make, the, make them say strikeout or just do the S. Or I don't know, some fun, like, like a picture of like a, a batter like missing. But don't, like just if I haven't been to your party before, the first time I go to your party, there's just three K's hanging up. Like I'm not going to just assume – that stands for your your you know your cousins uh Claude Kyle and Kremlin. I'm sorry, I can't think of a third K. Uh Kelvin. There we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that it's KKK. I'm gonna assume it's Ku Klux Klan and I'm getting the hell out of your party after I take a picture and put it on Facebook to shame you because that's what I do. That's who I am. But yeah, like I you know I I just said like hey guys I didn't know I wasn't out here trying to start any drama. I just asked a question. So yeah, Brandon, I don't understand the basic rules of baseball. You want me to kill myself too, huh? Brandon Olson goes on to wow, lot lot of hot takes on Dragon Tales over here. He wants to disrespect Ord, yo. You want to disrespect Ord, the King Dragon? I don't remember. I don't remember like the dragons from Dragon Tales. He ugh, he uh he does bring up a good point about Dragon Tales though. Uh this okay. There's a dragon on that show that's in a wheelchair. That's which that's that's interesting, you know. Cause I here's the thing, like like this, so apparently this dragon was uh was was born without the use of his legs. That Brendan says that's the explanation that they give in Dragon Tales. Is that, first of all, if you don't know what Dragon Tales is, Dragon Tales was a cartoon from the youngin' days about these two kids, this brother and this sister, who were able to uh, go into their grandmother's attic and transport themselves into a place called Dragonland. Uh, it was, let's all go to Dragonland. And so apparently, one of these dragons had was in a wheelchair. He was born without the use of his legs, and so he has to roll around. And a wheelchair. And Brendan's whole issue with that is that, yeah, his legs don't work, but dragons don't walk. They fly. But here's the thing. Like, can a dragon just flap its wings and just take off into the air? Because I'm pretty sure in Game of Thrones, the dragons, like, have to launch themselves off 
of whatever surface they're on and then the wings keep them up so yeah dragons fly but i don't know if they can just go straight from zero to flying i think they may need to use legs to you know repel themselves off of the surface get them some momentum going get a running start like i think that's a thing you know like a plane doesn't just go go off the ground like it's got to go down the runway and pick up speed and then the pilot pulls up peels back and you get up and you you start to lift off the runway and then you clear the runway and then your ears pop because you forgot to bring gum and then you look over at your neighbor and you ask if you can borrow some gum and they just scoff and roll their eyes at you and go back to watching National Treasure 2 or whatever the in-flight movie is. And so now you've got these jammed up ears because you didn't bring any gum. And because, But you know what? If the plane's wheels are broken, that plane's not... I don't care how big the wings on that plane are, that plane's not flying if it can't get that running start. And I think the same is uh, can be said for dragons. I think dragons have to have a running start. Or they have to be able to project themselves. Uh, honestly, I think all flying creatures like push themselves off first and then start flying. Like I'm, I don't know. I think that's your homework for the week, folks. Uh, go out, just watch some birds, watch some different birds, watch some owls, you know, some hawks, some pigeons, and see what they do. See how they start flying. Do they just flap and they're in the air, or do they have to like? Do you see them like pushing their little bird legs off first? Go find out. Take some notes. Come back with some supporting evidence. We'll keep this conversation going. Brendan, you need a hug, buddy. Come, let's hang out soon. You're way, you're way too upset about Amelia Bedelia and Dragon Tales. All right, just like there just there's other shows to watch. You know, like I don't. Scott's Tots pisses me off, so I don't watch it. If Amelia Bedelia, Amelia Bedelia pisses you off, don't read it. It was books, right? Amelia Bedelia was books. So just don't read those books, you know? There's plenty of other books for your kids to read, so switch it up, Brendan. Life's too short, you know? Be happy. Uh, let's see. Justin Ulrich. The F- Fugees will not be topped. Here's the thing. I've never listened to the Fugees, Okay. I think they've got that kill, like, "Killing Me Softly." I, is that? I think that's a Fuji song. I'm not gonna look it up. I'm just gonna say, "Killing Me Softly" is the only Fuji song I've heard. All right. So I so I can't really take a stance on this. I guess I could. I'll listen to some Fujis this week, Justin. Uh, Justin is another improver here in St. Louis. Very funny guy. Nice guy. Uh, Justin, I'm gonna listen to some Fujis this week, and then next week I will let you know what I think about the Fujis. Alright. Hey, uh, next week, my guest for the Lions Den is going to be the very funny Justin Luke. Uh, we had Justin on the show back in November uh, to talk about the the Sad Neighbor soundtrack. Uh, you know, we, we spent some time just uh, just chatting about what our, our favorite Sad Boy songs. So, mostly just talked about Drake and Bryson Tiller uh, for an hour. Uh, but yeah. So he's going to come back on to uh, promote a show that he's got. He's going to be featuring uh, for Ben Kronberg at the Monocle on March 9th. So if you're interested in seeing some comedy, if you're a Ben Kronberg fan, if you're a Justin Luke fan, head over to the Monocle on March 9th. Uh, That's next Saturday. And go check out that show. Uh, But Justin will be on 
next Monday, so he, he'll tell you all about it. I'm not going to steal his thunder. I just want to give you guys a little peek at what was going to come up. I was really just looking for a transition out of uh, the Fujis because I realized how I boxed myself into a corner with that. I do. I remember uh, live uh, from the Purple Onion, the Zach Galifianakis uh, Netflix special from years ago. Uh, they do this. There's like this recurring bit throughout the special uh, where they're interviewing Zach's quote unquote twin brother, uh, and he's t- you know he's talking about their life growing up together and uh, some shared emotional experience they had with the Fugees. Uh, and how he the, the brother doesn't really like it, but I don't know. Go, it should still be on Netflix. Go if it is, go watch it. It's very funny. Uh, Zach Galifianakis is an absolute treasure. We don't we don't deserve him. We've done nothing to earn his love, but he still gives it to us. Our Lord and Savior, Zach Galifianakis. This show isn't uh, sponsored by Zach Galifianakis yet. We do have some great sponsors though. Uh, of course, shout out to the sponsors. We've got the Crow's Nest over at 7336 Manchester right there in the heart of historic Maplewood. You can head on over to the Crow's Nest. They are open seven days a week. Go in, sit down, grab a drink, get yourself some grub. The menus at Crow's Nest are out, look, they're record sleeves. So that, so you're going to sit down at your table and your server's going to bring you like a record. All right, and it might be... David Bowie record, and you're like, oh, wow, thanks for this, uh, but I was hoping to just get some food, also, I don't have a record player in my bag, uh, but it, they're going to be like, no, that's your menu, and then you open it up, and it's, oh, wow, that's the menu, it's very cool, it's a really fun place, you go in on the weekends, you can check out the uh, Metal Brunch, going on Wednesdays, you can see Wild Card Comedy, weekly open mic hosted by Chris Sear and JC Sabala, uh, it's Crow's Nest 73, 36 Manchester. Uh, you know, we've we've also got Taco Circus. That's right, Taco Circus, located over at 4258 Schiller, corner of Schiller and Morganford. Uh, just a, a hard shell tacos throw away uh, from Bevo Mill. Maybe a soft shell too. I don't know if you like ball. Yeah, you probably like half of a tortilla throw away. From the Bevo Mill because you can ball up the tortilla and get more momentum, velocity. I don't know. I don't watch baseball. Ask Brendan. But ask me about Taco Circus. It's fantastic. It's authentic Austin, Texas-style Mexican food located right in South City, St. Louis. They are open Wednesday through Monday. You can go in today. It's Monday. You can go in for breakfast. They're open at 8 a.m. for breakfast. You go get tacos for breakfast, tacos in the evening, tacos in the in the at supper time. Uh, it, it's great. It's Taco Circus. It's a taco. It's a circus. Forty-two fifty-eight Schiller. Head on over there. You can uh, order ahead. You can order when you get there. You can order catering. Order yourself to have a good time at Taco Circus. All right. We've also got Fortune Teller Bar located right over on Cherokee Street. That's at twenty-six thirty-five uh, Cherokee Street. Je- a tortillas throw away from from my spot. Uh, head on over there. Fortune Teller Bar is open. Seven days a week, you can go in, get yourself a delicious drink made with some of their in-house bitters, all right? Hang out there, get your fortune told. They'll tell your fortune fortune for you, you know? They'll read your palm, they'll do tarot cards, tea leaves. You go, it's just a cool place to hang out. It looks kind of like if an elk lounge 
got obsessed with Vampire Diaries. That's that, that was interesting. But go go check it out. I think you'll see what I mean. Uh, it's Fortune Teller Bar, twenty six thirty five Cherokee, and then right across the street at twenty six thirty four Cherokee, we've got El Chico Bakery. Going to El Chico Bakery also open Wednesday through Monday. Uh, you go in there for authentic Mexican bread, delicious pastries, empanadas. You go on the weekend, order yourself some tamales. It's a great spot. Go in there, get yourself some grub, put get some bread in you to soak up all the alcohol you've had at Fortune Teller Bar and Crow's Nest and Taco Circus. And then you wind it down with a nice pastry at El Chico Bakery. So go over there and check that out. Those are our sponsors. This is the Lion's Den. I'm your host, Sam Lyons. I think it's the first, yeah, that was my first introduction to myself for this episode. Uh, yeah, let's see what else is up. Oh, I've got some shows coming up. If you if you guys want to hear some more angry takes on Scott's Tots, uh, you can see me twice uh, at Helium this week. I'm going to be over at Helium Comedy Club this Thursday, the 28th uh, at 8 p.m. for The Dirty Show. That's right, folks, The Dirty Show. It's vulgar, nasty, notoriously dirty comedy. I'm going to be hosting that uh, this Thursday at 8 p.m. Uh, those tickets are $10. On that show with me, you're going to have Chris Sear, you know, the grandfather of Impolite Company, uh, J.C. Sabala, very funny, uh, also the co-host, as I said, of Wild Card Comedy. Uh, Libby Higgins is going to be on that show, as well as Lucas Henderleiter. There's gonna be a few more. It's gonna be a stacked lineup. It's gonna get raunchy. All right, you're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say some dirty, some dirty things about Dragon Tales at this show. So come out and see it this Thursday at Helium Comedy Club. And then you know what? You're gonna get there and you're like, wow, this is a really great time. I've had a really fantastic time at Helium Comedy Club. I wish I came more often. I should come check it out more. Well, you should come check it out more because you can see me again this Saturday night. All right, for the late night dip located in the garage. If you're not familiar, the garage uh, is the it's the, it's the side stage of helium. When you go into helium, and you go you go in you go downstairs to get into the entrance, and you've got like there's the there's like a dining area and a bar, and then there's like a, a room off to the side that has another bar and a small stage. That's the garage, all right. It, it, it's a great, it's a great little side spot they've got going on there. Uh, they do late night dip every Saturday night at ten thirty. It's where you, it's an open mic. You, it's bucket style. So you go and you write your name down and you put it in my bucket, and then I'm gonna take the bucket on stage. I'm gonna tell some jokes. Da da da. And fuck Scott's tots. A big applause break. All right. And then your next comic, and I'm gonna pull a name out of the bucket and if it's your name and I say it that means it's your turn so you ne- it's, you never know what's gonna happen next you never know who's gonna be on stage next uh, but it's, it's a great time so come check that out also Jay Farrow's at Helium this week Jay, so you should be that you should also be going to see Jay Farrow uh, I think he's he's there f- the first through the third so he'll be there uh, Friday through Sunday maybe you know maybe Jay Farrow's gonna pop in for late night dip that's well, you know, he'll be in the next room. So so Saturday, you can go see the early Jay Farrow show. And then you can come on over and check out Late Night Dip. All right? And just have yourself a great... After you come on Thursday uh, for the Dirty Show. So just just spend your weekend with me over at Helium Comedy Club. Really love to see you guys. It's going to be a good time. All right? 
All right, guys, that's going to do it for this week. I know I've given you plenty to think about, you know, let, let me know what you think about this. Let me let me know if you violently disagree. If you want to come on and defend a wrong position about Scott's Tots, I'd love to have you come on. Come on and let's talk about let's talk about vampires. We'll get you. We'll get Pat on. We'll let you and Pat duke it out for an hour about whether or not vampires can get AIDS. All right, Brendan, stay the hell away from my show until you learn to relax about Amelia Bedelia. She is eight years old, dog, and fictional. All right. Have some compassion. Have a drink. Have a good week, guys. This is the Lion's Den. I'll talk to you next week. I love you.